You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Monday, February 8th, and the Super Bowl is over. Won't get too much into, we won't get too much into that. We'll talk a little bit about it briefly, but we've got a lot to talk about because it was a huge weekend for the Steelers when it came to the NFL Honors weekend. Of course, TJ Watt didn't get Defensive Player of the Year. We'll talk a lot about that, but Two more Steelers are going to the Hall of Fame, those being Alan Fanica and Bill Nunn, and that there's a lot to celebrate there. All that is going to be discussed on this, today's show and more. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio.com, and so many other places where podcasts are hosted. Check us out there and leave us a five-star review with a positive comment, and you will get a shout-out at the end of the show if you leave that review on Apple Podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. It's Monday. The weekend's over. The Super Bowl happened, and the Buccaneers kicked the living snot out of the Chiefs. How about that? Antonio Brown and Anton Randall, Larry Foote, and Bruce Arians, and Byron Leftwood. So many Steelers getting Super Bowl rings. We'll have a lot of time this week to talk about that. So, yeah, enough about the Super Bowl. We will talk about that more with Tony Serino for Tony Tuesdays. But, gotta talk about... This 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 Hall of Fame voting and the NFL Honors Weekend. I'm gonna start off with the topic that I think uh, got people riled up a whole bunch, and that's T.J. Watt not getting Defensive Player of the Year. I'm not gonna get into Ben Roethlisberger not getting Comeback Comeback Player of the Year because that was pretty much a given that Alex Smith was going to win it. Um, if you listen to the Locked On NFL podcast, which is uh, I host the Friday edition with uh, your boy Q from Locked On Raiders. Uh, the two of us, we do. I used to do the Thursday, now I do the Friday edition of that show. But I, I brought it up. I compared Alex Smith winning Comeback Player of the Year was like Leonardo DiCaprio winning the Oscar for The Revenant because it's just like the guy he got beat up by a bear. It's like okay, just finally give Leo his Oscar. So uh, you know, I got why Alex Smith got it, even though one person did vote for Ben Roethlisberger, and Ed Bouchette has confirmed to me that. Uh, there's no, there was no Pittsburgh voter on that committee, so it wasn't even a Pittsburgher that gave Ben Roethlisberger his one vote. But Alex, Alex Smith, I get it. Win your, win the comeback player of the year. The guy almost died. Um, but what every Steelers fan is talking about is T.J. Watt being snubbed. Now, before I get into this discussion, I want to make it clear: if I was given a vote here, I would have voted for T.J. Watt. Not because I just cover the Steelers, but because I look at that and I think when you lead the NFL in sacks and tackles for loss and quarterback hits, I think you deserve to get that player of the year. The the way that T.J. Watt was just so dominant this season. And I think that he deserved it. However, I also, in these conversations, you always got to hear the other side out. And there are merits to the other part of the discussion that involves Aaron Donald, who won his third Defensive Player of the Year award, which ties him with the most of all time with Lawrence Taylor and J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt's older brother. Um, and and here's the thing. If you're a Pittsburgher, I know this is a Locked On Steelers podcast, but if you're from Pittsburgh and you have ties to the Pittsburgh area, you're still happy about this because guess what? Aaron Donald's from Pittsburgh. 
He is Pittsburgh. Went to Penn Hills High School and went to Pitt. Played for Pitt. Was a superstar for Pitt. I mean, that's a Pittsburgh legend going down as one of the greatest players of all time. He's going to the Hall of Fame. A first ballot Hall of Famer he will be. And I think it's kind of crazy when you look at it. I mean, the two greatest defensive tackles in the history of the game, for my money, have ties to Pittsburgh because it's Aaron Donald and me, Joe Green. Crazy how that worked, right? Um, so I, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not dissing that. But if you're having a reasonable discussion here, and you guys know I like to have reasonable discussions here, I'm not just out here just saying Steelers stuff just to be, um, just to be crazy about it, you know. I'm out here, uh. Are arguing and saying, look, I think that T.J. Watt wins the, this award this year for these reasons. But if someone was to counter me, and I was on that panel, and I was having the discussion with the Aaron Donald side, I couldn't ignore the fact that if you look at ESPN's numbers and the advanced statistics there, Aaron Donald gets double teamed 68% of the time that he's rushing the passer. T.J. Watt gets double teamed 15% of the time. And with all that, Aaron Donald got one and a half less sacks than TJ. Now, granted, Aaron Donald also played an extra game. And remember, these votes are tallied and made before the playoffs. It's just the end of the regular season. That's that's when all of the, the voting happens. So what happens in the playoffs doesn't even matter. Because if you did that, you'd also have to include two more sacks for Aaron Donald into the with the, with his playoff performance in the first round, in the wild card round. But um, with T.J. Watt, the reason he's not getting double teamed as much is because defensive tackle and edge rusher are two completely different jobs. You got to understand that in the conversation. And if someone's talking to me and arguing, again, I'd still stick with my guns of saying T.J. Watt was defensive MVP. But in edge rusher, you primarily, your worries are one offensive tackle, maybe a tight end, and maybe if the running back comes to help. But when you're a defensive tackle, you got to worry about the center and both guards. And then sometimes still a running back coming to come get you. and Or sometimes an offensive tackle collapsing. And there were times I legitimately saw, not just once or twice, but teams game plan around the concept of triple teaming Aaron Donald. Because he's that dominant. I think Aaron Donald is actually the best player in football. Period. Like I'd even put him above Patrick. He's the best at that, that at his position in that in that way. But if you were asking me who had the better season, that's where I say T.J. Watt, and that's what this award award I think should be about. And if you're a Steelers fan and you're ticked off about this, you don't like this at all. You got ammunition to be mad about this, because last year when Stephon Gilmore got it. The argument was, well, T.J. Watt didn't have enough sacks. He was like fifth in NFL sacks. He was five behind the leader of Shaquille Barrett. He should have gotten the award before T.J. Watt. And this year, it's like, well, he had all the stats. I think that there's some things to consider there, sure. But, uh, and because you're, you're going to say as a Steelers fan, like, well, he had all the stats. What's your excuse this time? It's like, well, Aaron Donald still is doing this at the defensive tackle position and he's getting double teamed and triple teamed at an insane rate and still producing as much as he had and you gotta understand for a defensive tackle if you're getting pressure up the middle like that 
that does so much more damage than an edge rusher. Imagine, because think about this. Imagine a team having to commit three linemen to you and you're still breaking through that and you're going right to the quarterback because then you're you're in the quarterback's face you're disrupting everything the team is doing and edge rusher if you beat your man on the edge you have a really good chance to get a sack but there's a but but you're not it's going to take you a little bit longer to get to the quarterback because of that so that's all saying there's legitimacy to Aaron Donald getting the MVP and why I'm not mad at it I disagree with it it wouldn't have been my decision but I don't think this is the thing that Steelers fans should get the pitchforks for. I know I was joking last week and I said, let's write it down about this. I'm not actually that mad about it. Do I think it stinks that the Steelers didn't, a Steeler didn't get this award? Sure. But I also don't think it's as big a deal as some people are being making this out to be. Not just Steelers fans, but people who want to make fun of Steelers fans. I'll get to that in just a sec. We'll be back here with more on the Locked On Steelers podcast right after this. BetOnline.ag football season may be over, but you can still get in on the action with BetOnline.ag. Don't forget when you sign up for your for your free account, you can get a 50% bonus to your first deposit by using the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters and all one word. And you'll again, that's a 50% bonus on your first deposit. There's still plenty of NHL, college basketball, and NBA games to bet on. Well, football season is, you know, turning over and we're getting ready for the next year. So get in, get off the sidelines, get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, all capital letters, all one word, to get your 50% bonus on your first deposit to BetOnline.ag, which BetOnline.ag, don't forget, they're your online sportsbook experts. So picking up where I was talking about there, there has been a push from, uh, you know, from people who want to make fun of Steelers fans that, oh, Steelers fans are whining too much because that TJ Watt didn't get it. And, and there was a bit of online pushing back and forth all through Saturday night going into Sunday and still going on even. Um, but here's the thing. I don't think Steelers fans are that outraged to the point that it's ridiculous. You know, I was making jokes like I was saying, like, "Up oh, the T.J. Watt riots are happening. I'll be in my bunker drinking alcohol for the, all through winter." Um, but you know, I, again, I, you guys know me. I like to have fun with things. I like to make jokes and be, and be cool about it. But there's there's some people legitimately thinking like Steelers fans are, are maniacs for thinking this. No, there's still the Steelers fans. You guys, we, you know, this this group. It makes a lot of sense why people are upset, and Steelers fans are no less upset or no more upset than other fans have been i mean there was a legit there, there was a legit you know a smaller uproar but there were people being mad that there was one vote that went to ben roethlisberger for comeback player of the year when alex smith got the award like that was some travesty every year there's there, there's a complaint about something this guy didn't get it that guy didn't get it it happens all the time there was an uproar when lamar jackson won mvp like oh he wasn't the most most valuable player it happens all the time and, you know, the I think it's it's different for the Watts and the players who are involved because they're like, hey, like, you know, we do have a say, you know, because J.J. Watt, you know, posted in support of his brother. Um, other Steelers were posting in support of T.J. Watt. And T.J. Watt just, you know, posted a funny meme of just Michael Jordan saying, and I took that personally, uh, which, you know, is from the Last Dance documentary. Um, you know, so, like, they were having fun with it and they were poking about it, but... 
there are people who are trying to make it seem like, oh, this is why the Steelers are broken because they care too much about this award. No, they don't. That has nothing to do with why they turned the ball over five times in a playoff game. Don't make it any bigger than that. This is simply, you know, hey, we're all chilling on a Saturday night in February. There's not much else to do. Literally, there's actually not that much else to do because we're still in the pandemic. And this is the one thing we could talk about that's football outside of the Hall of Fame, which I'm going to get to hear very soon. There's like one, literally one thing we could talk about, and it was these awards. So, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that because it's, the, the you know, we're running out of football season, and uh, this is a huge topic point. And this isn't going to stop anyone from focusing. This is TJ Watt's going to not not is going to stop working out and getting better because of this. Neither are Minka Fitzpatrick or Devin Bush or anyone else that's on the Steelers organization. Just the same way Aaron Donald didn't didn't stop working out when he didn't get it last year. You know who cares? I mean TJ Watt didn't get it last year, and look what happened. He had the most sacks of his career. So I I don't think that this is actually as big of a problem as as I've seen. You know, when when Steelers fans and other fans, and even some Steelers fans are also arguing against other Steelers fans that, hey, this isn't a big deal. Y'all are being crybabies. It's like, well, it's the offseason, man. What, what you going to do? We're going to sit around and complain about some stuff. Let's be real. We need to talk about things. Hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a podcast host talking to you when I know that the Steelers won't play. They won't even practice in full pads for another one, two, three, six months. So, like, I, I get it. I, if people want to talk about something, it's not that big a deal. Everyone can just chill out. So, that's just what, that's where I have on the T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald stuff. I don't think it's as big of a deal. I think that, again, I think the T.J. Watt should have gotten it, but I'm not mad about Aaron Donald getting it. There's that. Let's move on to Hall of Fame talk, though, because two Steelers are getting it. And that means, hopefully, if we get ceremonies this year, COVID abiding, we got Bill Cower, Troy Polamalu, Donnie Shell, and now Alan Fanica and Bill Nunn. That's five people from the Steelers organization going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in the same year. That is insane. And I also think there's a bit of a, a cool legacy thing that Donnie Shell is getting in at the same time as Bill Nunn. Alan Fanica absolutely deserves this. I saw some people, you know, trying to downplay, like, oh, man, how'd he get in? There, there was other guys like Rondé Barber and Tony Basel. Man, y'all don't understand. Alan Fanica was that dude. At, at, at guard, he would bulldoze everything in his path. And it's crazy to me that David DeCastro has 66 because he reminds me of a just not as not as great version, but still a very good version of, of Alan, Alan Fanica. And it, you know, linemen often get not as much respect as other players for being as great as they are. The only time you see them are when they're absolutely crushing somebody or when they're missing a block. Most people, that is, the casual fan. Now, those like me who study the game, and I'm sure a lot of you out there that are listening to the show, you grow to appreciate linemen over time. And you're like, man, that guy's been consistent for so long. That's why Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro have such a great uh, following in the fan base because they've been doing what they've been doing for so many years. And that's why Marquise Pouncey, <laughs> this, this, like they'll still make the Pro Bowl in a year that they really shouldn't have. But um, Alan Fanica was that guy who changed a lot for the Steelers. 
he was with them through the late 90s going into the 2000s and saw a lot of the growth that the Steelers had to go through under Bill Cowher. And it's important, I think, to acknowledge that during his time with the Steelers, they went through a lot of changes. You know, he was drafted in 98. You know, became you know was immediately a starter for the team you know started 12 games his first first uh his first his rookie season first gets his gets his starts getting his flowers when in 2001 when the team goes 13 and 3 and gets to the AFC championship game makes his first pro bowl and first first team all pro and then from 2001 to 2007 he was first team all pro all but one year so in seven seasons, he won first-team All-Pro six times. That's a whole different ball game. He saw the Steelers when they were two, in 2000. He saw the Steelers when they rejuvenated under Bill Cowher in 2001 because after Chuck Dole's players wore off, uh, Bill Cowher needed to reload. And in 1998, 1999, and, you know, they, they stunk to high heaven. And in 2000, they started to figure things out in 2001 they really did figure things out and got to 13 and three and just fell short against the Patriots. Um, and then he was with that version with the Cordell Stewart and Tommy Maddox Steelers. And then he was there for Ben's rookie year when they were plowing the road with, uh, you know, for the ground game with Willie Parker and Jerome Bettis as a one, two punch. And then even oversaw the first year of having Mike Tomlin around as head coach. And it's the Steelers basically did get hit, get get uh get rid of him at the right point in time they let him go they you know at 31 they had they had some tough decisions with their cap to, you know to keep their defense around um they let him go to the jets where he would make the pro bowl the next 2 years before retiring with the cardinals in 2010 but that dude opened up so many holes made it so that you didn't need to invest too much into the offensive line cuz you know if you had him as an anchor and then when Jeff Harding's got there at center they were set Steelers were good. And I think one of the plays that kind of just gets shown in the highlights but not respected enough in Steelers lore is you know Willie Parker's 75-yard touchdown run against the Seahawks in Super Bowl 40. When he when that play happened, Alan Fenneca crushed his man, opened up the door, and hearing him talk about it was really cool. Say that he he just as soon as he finished his block, he looked up field because he just wanted to watch Willie run because he knew he got it. I feel like Alan Fanica's. It's so cool to see, and there there was a really cool piece written by Tom Reed, who's like our, our feature writer for DKPittsburghSports.com, where he kind of dug into the stress that comes with waiting for the Hall of Fame knock from David Baker when he, he comes and announces to you like, hey, you've you've made it. You're, you're immortalized. You're going to get bronze. You're going to get your gold jacket. And this is amazing. And he, he talks about how stressful it is for players and how Alan Fanning has had to wait for years for this moment. And there's been plenty of times he hasn't heard the knock at the door and you're wondering what it's like. Like, oh, man, like, what, what crazy is that? There's a lot that goes into that. And I think Alan Fanica, it, it's good that he gets it now. And I have to give credit to Dale Lolly. He told me this time last year that Alan Fanica was going to get in this this year. So Dale Lolly, kudos to that guy, another one of our DK Pittsburgh sports writers. 
But he absolutely deserved it. Heck of a run blocker. Heck of a pass blocker. And one of those quiet stealer leaders. Like, you know, not that he was quiet all the time by himself, but you didn't hear him have to talk a lot of smack. He, he, he just did his job at an extremely high level. And that's another reason why I could, it's funny that David DeCastro wears his number because I think DeCastro's of the same ilk. So great stuff there for Alan Fanica. We got to talk more about Bill Nunn. And we'll do that after this because it's Black History Month. And this man holds a lot of a lot of a lot of value in black history for football especially. We'll talk about that right after this. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar is great for the health conscious person and helps someone lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat during the day. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, but high protein and high fiber and they're great for a keto diet. Instead of when you're tired and hungry at work and you need a boost to get through the day, instead of going to the vending machine and getting those cupcakes, those pop tarts, those potato chips, get something healthy like a Built Bar. It'll fill you up Tastes great and gets you through the rest of your day with the energy that you need. And Built Bar comes in 18 amazing different flavors. Six of those new, fla- new flavors are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. You can get all those flavors by going to their website right now at BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. And we're going to keep talking about the Hall of Fame here. And I wanted to give more time to talk about Bill Nunn. Because Alan Fanica is a great player and a Hall of Fame player. And we'll talk more about him throughout this offseason and definitely when he actually gets enshrined and all the things. But Bill Nunn built the 70 Steelers. Without Bill Nunn, without his his knowledge of how of HBCU athletes and his boldness to push organizations and to tell the world, hey, you're overlooking a huge part of college football here. Without him to do that, I think that the I think that the, the NFL would have missed out on a whole bunch of other talent. Or at least another organization would have been uh given credit for discovering HBCU athletes the way the Steelers did. I mean you think about it, Mel Blunt, Elsie Greenwood Donnie Shell, Ernie Holmes, John Stallworth, all those guys, HBCU dudes that were overlooked. And that people might not see. And, and for, for people to understand what I'm talking about here, because I always got to remember, you know, some people are new to the show. Some people aren't, you know, deep divers into football history. Um, and that's okay if you aren't. That's what this show is for. It's to help you get a sense from someone who does this stuff all the time. Back in the 70s, when Bill Nunn joined the Steelers staff, the country didn't acknowledge athletes enough from historically black colleges and universities. The, um, the, that, that's what HBCUs are. If you're a historically black college university, you were founded in a time when black people weren't being allowed to 
uh, go to school with white people as much as anyone else. Uh, like, for example, my alma mater, uh, Cheney University, we're actually the first HBCU. We were founded in 1837. <laughs> we were literally slaves back then. Um, but over time, you know, people, there, there were black people that could play at other universities in smaller numbers, but HBCUs were still where black people felt to be, you know, were more, were more appreciated, more welcomed. And there were all these athletes every year that wouldn't get the acknowledgement that the players at the major schools, the Ohio States, the Notre Dames, the Michigans, uh, the, the Penn States, they would, the HBCU athletes. So Bill Nunn set out for years and would do his own, uh, you know, top 100 HBCU football player list. And it would become an awards show, and he'd be on. And it was it was groundbreaking, and that's what one thing why the Pittsburgh Courier was such a big deal. And when he did that for so long, eventually the Steelers were like, "Hey, this guy knows football. Let's bring him in here." And at first he was distant because he's like, "Nah, your PR people don't even give me credentials. You don't give me respect. I don't, I don't, I don't need y'all." And then they had to kind of like, "No, hey, we're sorry about that. We didn't know about that. We're gonna fix that." And they did. And then eventually he agrees to to be on their scouting staff. And if you read, there's plenty of books out there. Uh, there's The Color of Sundays, which is a good book to read about this. Um, Their Life's Work by Gary Pomerantz is a good book to read about this, about the stories where Bill Nunn, in all his scouting, like in the year, the greatest draft class of all time by any team in the history of football, maybe in the history of all sports, was the 1974 Steelers draft class. In the first round, they selected Lynn Swan. Bill Nunn actually wanted the Steelers to select John Stallworth because he was just like, that dude is going to be the best guy you've ever seen. And no one's going to, and, and the Steelers, they gambled that no one would pick up on him. They didn't. The Steelers drafted uh, Lynn Swan in the first round, then Jack Lambert in the second round. They would also draft Mike Webster, and then eventually they would get John Stallworth in the fourth round. And then as an undrafted free agent that year, they would get Donnie Shell from uh, South Carolina State. Now, those are two Hall of Fame HBCU guys in one draft. And that's a total of, what, four? Five? Jeez. It, 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 still, it still amazes me when I, when I think about it, I count all the names there. That's five Hall of Famers in one draft class. One year of bringing people into the organization. And Bill Nunn's scouting helped find two of those guys that would have definitely been overlooked in other situations and the thing is again if the Steelers hadn't done it at this point in time if Bill Nunn had not been this pioneer for them and that's why he got into the Hall of Fame as a contributor if the Steelers hadn't done it some other organization would have stumbled upon them and who knows if that would have led to another dynasty somewhere else I doubt the Steelers have four Super Bowls in six years they may even have no Super Bowls Chuck Noll might not have been become the great coach that he was Pittsburgh not, might, might not be the football mecca that it's become, at least professionally. Because Western Pennsylvania has always churned out talent. That's one thing for sure. But the culture of football would have not been the same here in Pittsburgh if it weren't for Bill Nunn. And it wouldn't have been the same for a lot of those HBC athletes who got recognized. Because again, years later, Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, those guys went to historically black colleges. And that's the thing about Bill Nunn is that he pushed the envelope he pushed the he pushed the envelope to um to, to, to say hey we should be looking at these guys stop looking at them different because they will go to these smaller schools and in doing so changed not just the organization but all of football so it's great that he's finally getting recognition 
And it's, again, it's crazy, it's ironic that he goes in the same year Donnie Shell does. You wish that he could have been around, Bill Nunn, Bill Nunn, of course, because he, he passed away, as did his son, Bill Nunn. And if you don't know who his son is, uh, if you've ever watched Sister Act, he's the, he's, he's the cop in Sister Act. Uh, he's also Radio Rahim from Do the Right Thing, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, he's played he played in a lot of different movies, um, but and, and if you if you watch close enough in some of his movies, Bill Nunn, his son, because he's Bill Nunn Jr. or whatever, uh, but Bill Nunn, the son that was an actor, there's plenty of times he'll like in a certain scene he would have he'll wear like a like a small piece of Steelers gear or and just something that acknowledges it. Uh, one one in particular is at the ending of School Days, another Spike Lee flick, uh, when everyone's kind of lined up at the end there, he's wearing like Steelers PJs uh, as a good you know tip of the hat to the organization. Another reason why the Steelers history is just all the way out there. The Steelers have plenty of you know historical greatness to celebrate in Black History Month, and we'll do that a little bit throughout February because it's always fun to look back and acknowledge things like that. Because often... Like Bill Nunn, a lot of Black history is pushing barriers, you know, refusing to say to say to to, to submit to something or to go a certain way because everyone else is going that way and saying, "Hey, we're going to stand up in this moment because we think this is the right thing to do or the best way, thing to do for our situation." And sometimes when you do it, you change the whole world in doing so. Bill Nunn did that, and it's about doggone time he got recognized for it. And I think that's huge for at me as a black Pittsburgher, born and raised here in Homewood. I'm about five minutes from his from Westinghouse High School, where Bill Nunn went to high school. And to think that Pittsburgh has that kind of history sometimes, you forget about how many different ways this football team in this city has contributed to how the country has formed in many different ways that, you know, the culture touches us to this day. So huge things to celebrate this weekend. Don't just be mad about TJ Watt, not getting it over Aaron Donald. The Steelers are getting five dudes to walk into the hall of fame in the same year this year. That's crazy. That's insane. And another Testament to the greatness of the franchise. So celebrate that Steelers fans. There's a lot of things to be happy about right now. But that's it for today. We're going to talk about some more things tomorrow. We got our boy Tony Serino. A, a little tease for tomorrow's episode, if you will. Uh, there was a huge article written in the Players' Tribune by Cordell Stewart, former Steelers black quarterback. And uh, it also pushed some barriers. And it told some stories that I think people didn't really know about Cordell Stewart that were fascinating. I haven't overlooked them for just one second. But I wanted to leave this, this topic for my man Tony Serino. Because he's a huge Cordell guy, just like I'm a huge Cordell guy. We both we, we grew up in that era when Cordell was Slash. And that's going to be a fun conversation. So tune in tomorrow for Tony Tuesdays, where we have Tony Serino hop on the Locked On Steelers podcast, as he always do. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Steelers podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted, as well as Google Podcasts and at Radio.com. And if you want to support the show, leave a five-star review with a positive comment. Doing so really helps out the show. Um, and if you do that, you will get a, sh- a shout-out, just like this person who's Jay Nasty, who gives a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Jay, Jay says, great podcast, diehard Steelers fan from California here, new to the podcast, and I'm loving it. I enjoy all the topics and appreciate the, po- the po- point of view you guys address them from. Thanks so much, Jay. Really appreciate you. Keep listening to the show, and uh, if you want to give your help out and get your shout-out, please 
did leave a five-star review it really does get the word out there and show the world hey we're doing some cool things at locked on steelers like i said we got we got tony serino coming up tomorrow lots of fun things to talk about we'll see you then